Eric is the man in charge. We have nine. We're going to sing a song. Eric's going to lead us in a song. We're going to have nine. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have nine. And we're going to quit at 1240. If there's minutes left, I have a list that's not on the list. But uh, otherwise, we have 50 minutes to go. We're going to sing three songs in that 50 minutes, the Lord willing. And we're going to hear 30, uh, 18 jewels from the book of Isaiah. So Eric, come ahead. Lead us in a song. The first nine names are here. Sayer, you're bold. You're first. Matthew Bennett. David Smith. Adam Eastland. Adam Wells. Paul Crosby, Eric DeVrent, Zach Hunsader, Daniel Crosby. Those are the first nine. We'll sing, nine, sing, nine, sing. Light this church up, men. Amen. I only need a couple more degrees. <laughs> All right, please find a burgundy hymn book. Burgundy Books, turn with me to number 226. Babylon has fallen. We'll start with that one. Burgundy Books, number 226. Hail the day so long expected. Hail the year of glory. Matthew. Um, there's a lot of great verses in Isaiah, 
So I was able to narrow it down to just one chapter and then a few verses and a few phrases. So Isaiah 43, the theme is ransom to save. Um, and I, I picked a couple verses. Um, but chapter 43 is God's comforting his chosen people in Babylon that he would save them, though they, th- though they deserve God's chast- chastening. Um, verses 1-3. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Yes. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And neither shall a flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Yes. Ethiopia and Seba for thee. This chapter is filled with comforting words like, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. For I am, for I am the Lord, thy God, yes, yes. the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Amen. Um, I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Yes. These are precious words. They show the mercy of the Lord and the comfort he gives his people. Verse 4, Since thou wast precious in my sight, Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Yes. I love how the Lord is abundant in mercy and comforts his children with these comforting words. Amen. 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 Isaiah 52, 13, and 14. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Jesus performed all the Father asked of him perfectly. He earned glory and honor. He is worthy to be praised forever. One of the greatest reminders of of his sacrifice, however, was verse 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Even after going through First Kings recently and hearing all the wars and men being killed by lions, in addition to the martyrs from last year, this is hard to truly imagine. He was beaten, bruised, his beard plucked off. Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters yes. and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I remember the first time I heard the verse, pulling at my beard and thinking, that's insanity. Did I? I did that to him. Previous teaching in other churches failed to mention this. Movies and descriptions in the New Testament never came close to this prophetic description. Psalm 22:17. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Our Lord knew that this was about him. He went to Jerusalem with a forehead of flint to yes. suffer and die for us. He dealt prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled this day. May our Lord Jesus Christ be magnified by all we say and do. Good to be back. I missed all you guys tremendously. My wife and I have. Um, quickly, uh, just as a quick backdrop before I read my verses, um, when I read the Bible, I've always been kind of uh, surprised, even uh, before Isaiah in the Old Old Testament and even in Isaiah, how many times God 
chastens his people for their disobedience, um, for their unloyal unloyalty to him, you know, chasing after other idols and gods and covetousness, and they depart, and he punishes them and turns them over, and then he rescues them, and over and over this happens and happens. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's recently occurred to me, or I've thought more about it, um, my relationship with Jehovah God and Jesus Christ, that we are like an espoused, we are a spouse to him, yes. covenanted before the foundation of the world, and we see the apple of his eye in the Old Testament, who he saves and redeems and loves, be unfaithful and turn away from him and go pursue other things in life. And uh, I marveled at that. Um, but I have to say, well, let me, I'll tell you what, I'll get into my verse here so I can get off the podium. Um, so that's the backdrop where I'm going with this. Isaiah 53, verse 6 is one verse. All we, it says all, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I'm cherry picking that verse, and then I'm gonna go over to Isaiah 55. The problem with going your own way is that thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Yes. So it's as we know, it's very it would be very offensive for my wife to go and leave me for another man. And so there is this comparison throughout the Bible, the Old Testament in particular, and we see it in Isaiah. And I, I just been thinking and meditating how highly offensive that is for all that he's done for yes. me. And so I understand this, is a, this applies to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But when I look at that, um, I think, you know, have I been faithful or unfaithful? And so... That's where I'm going with this. Let me move to my, my verses. Um, you all know them well. This, these verses are very comforting to me. Uh, they give me hope. Um, when I have wandered and gone astray and, uh, and pursued the world's vanity and vexed my spirit, that, and I've been unfaithful, that, that he is loyal and faithful. Yes. It is so comforting to me. I am a sinner. I do fall. I don't always <laughs> walk the straight and narrow. Um, in any event, here's the verses. Seek ye, the, here's the solution, if you do find yourself yes. off the beaten path. Um, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Yes. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly yes. pardon. Amen. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, he's amazing in his forgiveness and yes. pardon completely. It's unlike anything I would do. You, you all should be glad that I'm not God because <clears throat> I hold bitterness. I, I do all the things that we're, we're prone to in the wrong ways. But he is so far above that. He abundantly pardons. He is faithful and loyal. Um, and I have been an unfaithful, whoring bride in a lot of ways. Um, and I tell you, you know, I'll say one more thing. A couple of years ago, we were in the old church, and I bumped into Eric Carnell just between services. And we just talked in passing, and it stuck with me, and, and it's true, that we need to be, I need to be careful in my liberties, because the devil operates very well in liberties. And, and so I can pursue things, as the Bible says we should do, and look at my finances and the stock, you know, do all these things. And the next thing you know, the Lord Jesus isn't the love of my life anymore. That's right. And so that's where I'm going with all this. Thank you, Lord, for recovering me. And uh, thank you for...
being my, 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 my father and my God and my husband and the Lord Jesus makes all this possible. And we praise his holy name. Thank you. Amen. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near and let them speak. Let us come together to judgment. Give me your best shot. Yes. Trash talk can be uncomfortable because usually it blows up in the face of the person doing it, but it's encouraging and exciting when God is boasting about his greatness. So here's some of my favorites of God destroying other religions. Directly after describing how idolaters make their gods, Isaiah 44, 21, yeah. I have formed thee, thou art my servant. 44, 6, thus saith the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. God explains how dependent idols are on their worshipers and contrasts how dependent the world is, especially those that trust in him, are on him. The yes. exact opposite. 41.4. Who hath wrought it and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. Our God's wondrous display of sovereignty meant he could not only predict the future, but be the one molding it and bringing the future yes. to pass to his will. Did any idolaters even claim that their idols could do this? No, because he's above our inventions and our thoughts. Not using that verse. Uh, 4425. <laughs> that frustrateth the token of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth the wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish. How many liars do we see frustrated? And how many wise men have we seen turn backward yes. and foolish? More glory to God. Amen. But who are we? Thou worm, Jacob. What else would you want to be but the Lord's worm? The last argument about idolaters I love, 46, 7. They, hear, they bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place. There he standeth. From his place he shall not remove, yea, they shall cry unto him, yet he cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. God's description of idols is to prove he's the exact opposite of them. Yeah. That's his point. Here we see that idols cannot save, but God boasts in his power to save his own. Some favorite verses throughout the 40s, throughout the 50s, and from uh, Psalm 33 this morning, Austin, uh, about the Lord's protection. Fear not, I am with thee. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I will carry you and deliver you. The best way we can participate in this boasting is the praise and the hope and peace we can have in our God. Because yes. if he's stronger than all other gods, if he can protect us like all other gods, better than all other gods combined, we should be above all people the most uh, yes, peace and hopeful that there can be. So praise the Lord with me. Amen. Brother, we have some precious gems that we hold in our hand. Are you thankful for a bull that the Lord has given us to mine some of these out for our pleasure? I, I beg you to remember these things and hold them dear because indeed they are precious. Now, one thing that has moved me greatly out of all of this in Isaiah of one of the most memorable things is Isaiah 62 and Isaiah 60 through 62 and the glory of the Jewish church, something that I had never heard. It was new to me, but it is indeed a gem. Mm -hmm. Now, here in Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7, it says this, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, yes. which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. These, these two verses here have, have impressed upon my soul, my mind more than 
any other verse in Isaiah. And daily, every morning when I wake up, these verses are there before me. And I can't tell you the things that I have been praying because I, you know, we came from Malaysia to be here among you. I hope you realize what we have here. I hope you realize that this is a glorious, the, the Jewish church was glorious and we as the Gentiles have been grafted into that church, yes. which is also glorious. We have glory here and we should know it. We should revel in it. We should yes. praise the Lord. We should glory in it. But, you know, there we have put our truth abroad. We have published it abroad on our website. We have done everything we know to do to get uh, that truth out to those who love it. Many write in and say, we love the truth. But you know what? I can't, even though there are churches on every street corner in my city, I can't find one that loves the truth. Do you know anyone else? My prayer has been that the Lord would raise up and join them together that yes. they might also know the glory yes. that we see here. Amen. And yes. would you pray that along with me, brethren? And give the Lord no rest until we see it. Until we see it. Will you do it with me, please? I was going to beg you to pray with me even now, but because we weren't told to pray. Go ahead, Go ahead brother. Amen. Let's pray, brethren. <laughs> Father, we are thankful yes, Lord. for the love that you have displayed to your people and that we see page by page, verse by verse, chapter by chapter throughout Isaiah. And yea, even the whole Bible, we see your love to your elect, to your people that you've, you have chosen as your own. And Lord, we are thankful for them. We know that you will indeed protect them. You will keep them as the apple of your eye. Yes. You will see that they are blessed. And Lord, we love your people also. And we would love nothing more than to see your people with churches, with, with yes. bulls and pastors that can yes. help them, that can guard the truth. For we know that the church is indeed the pillar and ground of truth and that there sh should be pastors protecting and guarding. Yes, and we beg you, raise these men up throughout our country and even around the world. For there are many who love your name and love truth. Oh, Father, let there be churches established in those places where your people can come together and rejoice in you in all of the things that we are here to do. Let them also have that same privilege and blessing. Oh, Father, again, we thank you for the glory that you have shown us and the beauty of the passages we have been able to hear Thank you for them, and may we never neglect to praise you and to thank you for it. And we do ask these things in your Son's name, our glorious Savior yes. and Redeemer, yes. our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, brethren. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it is a great privilege for Dawn and me to be back here with you today. Amen. We rejoice in the Lord. It's, it's wonderful to be here. 1,292 verses in Isaiah. Where do you begin? There are literally hundreds that I could have chosen, and I have many favorites. Here are two of my favorites. Short passages. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto the wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law, and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Amen. We have one and only one final authority in all matters of life and eternity. 
the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Our God, His prophets, and His apostles were always absolutely dogmatic about the Bible being the only source of truth in this world. They never gave a minute of consideration to the vain philosophies and religions of men. We do not care if others disregard the Bible. We know that it is God's final answer for all truth and wisdom. Most of the world today rejects the Bible, but we know with certainty that it alone is the more sure word of prophecy. If the pagan religions of this world deny the Bible, we know it is, be, we know it is because there is no light in them. Right, right. All truth is measured by the Bible. Either you line up with the Bible and have a corner on the wisdom of the universe, or you line up against the Bible and are in total darkness. Right. It is just that simple. May we love the Bible, learn the Bible, and live by the Bible. If we, we should do this, if we really believe that this book is indeed the perfect, preserved words of the living God. My second short passage, Isaiah 55, and you've already heard it today several times, Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are many areas in which our thoughts differ from God's. But perhaps in none is the difference greater than in the matter of mercy and forgiveness. Yes. We forgive, but cannot forget. At times of weakness, we may even bring up those forgiven deeds again. Yes. But the infinite God does forget. The infinite God does forget. Amen. He remembers them no more. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. We may at times find it difficult to forgive, again, due to previous offenses. But our glorious God is nothing like that. He forgives again and again, regardless of how many times he has already forgiven us for that very same transgression. On occasion, we may be slow to show mercy or grant forgiveness. But our great Father in heaven is quick to forgive. He delights in mercy and forgiveness, and his mercy endures forever. May these verses from Isaiah 55 remind us to rejoice greatly in the abundant mercy and forgiveness of our God. Isaiah 54. Please consider Isaiah 54 with me. It's loaded with precious jewels, brilliant declarations, and promises from Jehovah God to his bride, the church. After 15 glorious verses about our Lord Jesus Christ, God's servant, 
in Isaiah 53 in those previous three verses in 52, in whom God was well pleased, we should sing yes. and loudly sing. Yes. Because Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, For thy maker is thine husband. Yes. The Holy One, well, I apologize. Thy maker is thy husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Yes. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Amen. The God of the universe, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord of hosts, my Redeemer is my husband. He desired the most intimate personal relationship we can understand in life, marriage. Yes. Thy maker is thy husband. He delights in me. He's given me a large family. He has given me a personal mentor that is out of this world. I do not ever have to fear that my husband will be angry and want to divorce me. I have his covenant promise. Yes. Every time I see a rainbow, glory. Amen. Yes. I am at peace with my husband. My husband, the sovereign of the universe, has created all the events and opposition I will ever encounter. So that I can claim verse 17 yes. and declare, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rise against me in judgment, my husband shall condemn. This is my heritage and yours also. Amen. Glory. Sing, Selah. So this may take a little bit longer than one minute. <clears throat> and uh, so I apologize in advance, but I don't really apologize. Um, I don't just joy in these verses I'm about to share. It's the reason I'm here. Um, the words of this book were sealed to me, but they're not any longer. And I praise the Lord for it. Um, so today, I want to stir each of us up as a body with Isaiah 29, 9 through 16. In these verses, God told Jerusalem that he would judge them, his Old Testament church, with confusion and blindness. Lord, help us. You could do the same unto us, and we wouldn't know any better. That's why it's called a spirit of deep sleep. Yes. For the sake of time, and because I know most of you are familiar with these verses, I will focus on just a few of them. Verses 9 through, through 13. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed yes. your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed which men deliver to one that has learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that has not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Brothers and sisters, this is not addressed to the pagans of the world. It is to the ones who the Lord said were precious in his sight. Yes. His Old Testament church. Make no mistake, brethren. Our creator said, I am the Lord. I change not. And again, he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. I'm thankful that we know better. 
and are of one heart and mind in this assembly. The Lord determined it was good in His sight to throw a peradventure our way. Let us never forget that and instead continue daily, helping each other hold fast to the faith once delivered to the saints. Why do most Christians today brush the God of Isaiah under the rug as an extinct, archaic, long-bearded grandfather in the sky who has since decided his methods with man in the past were overbearing? And I don't say that irreverently. God forbid we ever think such a thing. To answer, the answer to the delusions of the true character of Almighty God are found in verse 13. Their fear of him is taught by the precept of men. Men think lip service is weightier than the intents of the heart. Man's version of God and how that God approves of them, men, is crafted from the fair speeches of trendy and modern pastors rather than the purified and tried words of holy writ. These men who are drunk with confusion themselves tickle the ears and flesh of the masses in Christendom. Jehovah measures our worship of him by his precepts, not man's vain imaginations. The corrupting of the worship of the only true and living God in today's world results, results in our creator being trapped in a speaker and his spirit's presence increasing and decreasing with the turn of a volume dial. Up next is a 25-minute sermonette with an uplifting and positive message and a call to intervene in the eternal destiny of mankind. Brethren, it's here. I was trapped in it. The whole Christian world is trapped in it. Men don't want this God. This God is too harsh for them. This God is too religious for them, too demanding of them, and he certainly doesn't fit the modern Christian paradigm. Does the, worship, does the God we worship fit the God so plainly taught in Isaiah 29? He'd better. One may say, my God would never do such a thing, and our response should be, you're right. Your God would never do such a thing. <laughs> Let me introduce to you the only true and living God of the Bible. I am is his name and show you his way in Isaiah 29 more perfectly. Let's be vigilant, brethren, and continue to build a temple for our God, exceeding magnifical. The Lord be praised. Amen. 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 Chose a couple sections uh, today that I want to bring up. Uh, First one, Isaiah 25, 1. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. This whole book of Isaiah is full of wonderful things that our God has done in so many areas. These include his protection of his people, his chastening of his people, his judgment of other nations, and his promise of future blessings for us Gentiles. And we get to learn about our Messiah, our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The last phrase in this verse, who else is there like the Lord that could have had something written down thousands of years ago that are still faithful and true and can provide counsel today? There is none like our God. Amen. The second section, Isaiah 43, 3 and 4, which has already been mentioned. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Yes. Ethiopia and Seba for thee, 
since thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Yes. What part about that in there was something you did? Nothing. This is all of the Lord because we are precious in His sight. God's choice to save us and give us salvation and to protect us and keep us is incomprehensible. Is uncomprehensible. Do you understand the comfort and peace and confidence this should give us? Let us think about it and hold these things true and fast in our lives. Thank you, brothers. Turn in your red hymn book, please. Red hymn book to number five. God, my King, thy might confessing. You're welcome to stand with me if you'd like. Red hymn book's number five, please. God, my King, thy might confessing. Be seated. All right, the following nine, just remember who you're coming after. Mark Crosby will start us off, followed by Stephen Eastland, Austin Triquet, Matthew Eastland, Jim Cutler, Michael Jones, Austin Handel, Jerry Evans, and then myself. So we have a wonderful book of principles 
and then either direct or indirect lessons that we can get from those principles. Yes. Uh, the Lord is kind enough to give that to us and not just leave us here to figure things out. Um, in Malachi uh, 3.10, I believe, he says that you can't outgive him, but you're blessed if you try to, um, although you still never will, but, but it's for your benefit that you would. So yes. apparently the Lord thinks that we need to hear this yet a third time um, in 55, Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so we know that this is regarding forgiveness yes so you can't out-give the Lord, and you can't out-forgive the Lord. <laughs> but you should try. Yes. Because it's for your benefit. Right. And I love that. Now, he doesn't directly say that here, but we, we've seen in other places where yes. um, we are to forgive others. And even in the Lord's Prayer, or what's called the Lord's Prayer, you know, as we forgive others, yes. Lord, forgive us. So I... I just wanted to spin it just a slightly different way. It sounds like we needed to hear it a third time because I, the Lord laid this on my heart before I heard other brothers do it, that we should try and forgive anyone who has wronged us in any way. Amen. Amen. We've heard this before, but uh, going through Isaiah changed the way that I uh, read and understand the Bible. Um, Isaiah 2.2 2 says... And many people, excuse me, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house yes. shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And so I can't imagine being Isaiah or any prophet for that matter and to be able to see things that the Lord puts in your mind's eye and then for him to be able to distinguish a little bit, sometimes more clearly, what we read today was more clearly about the New Testament and uh, the Messiah and Jesus Christ and his kingdom. But there's a few verses in the book where he couldn't tell, or maybe he could tell, doesn't say, whether or not he was referring to something current in his life or something that was possibly a bit further down the road or way further down the road to see where we're standing at today and then even beyond today. So just a couple of those, um, if I understand them correctly. Uh, Isaiah 6, 11 and 12 yes. says, I want to get more, this is two minutes, huh? Then said I, Lord, how long? As he had just heard about uh, making the heart of the people fat, but shutting their eyes in his ministry. And he said, Lord, how long? And he answered, the Lord answered Isaiah, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. And it goes on. But he could see, even though it's a horrible prophecy of what Isaiah's ministry was, yes from where he was standing and what he was going to go do, and that went all the way until 70 A.D. That's right. Until, beautiful. All right, so that's a negative one, but then a positive one. In 52.7, is that right? 
Hang with me here. Isaiah 52, 7, yeah, and 8. This is both relating to Cyrus' release, um, uh, uh, relieving the Jews and sending them back, as well as to us hearing the gospel yes. preached in the same verse. I love it. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Yes. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, and the voice together they shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again to Zion, bring back again Zion. Yes. Can you ima imagine Isaiah's, I don't even know what you would experience when the Lord shows you something from God's word. And then as we have thanked the Lord for often so that we can see how he saw chapter 2, verse 2, mountain above mountains above hills, and our pastor has done all this work and the Holy Spirit has blessed him so that we can see from the other side of the cross looking back and know exactly what that means. Amen. He has showed us great truth from Isaiah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All glory to God. Amen. Amen. We've learned a lot in Isaiah some things we've learned and some things we've unlearned, and uh, just a lot of stuff. I'm very thankful for that. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, what was Isaiah's ministry? Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. But what was Isaiah's ministry? Yes. God gave him a ministry to blind Israel, his people. But yet, even in that, a small remnant would be saved. Yes. Our God is gracious and glorious. Thank you, Lord. We had a smorgasbord of things. So I've got a lot of one-liners here. Isaiah 22. Theme, Shebna and El um, Eliakim. Verse 23. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. What's the takeaway? Be an Eliakim. Yes. Amen. Isaiah 38, theme, Hezekiah's sickness and his reasoning with God in prayer. Right. A couple of takeaways. Live a life for God every day. Walk before God with a perfect heart and do exploits for him like Hezekiah did. Yes. So you can appeal to them in prayer. Amen. Yes, brother. And then the other thing is just praise God often and gloriously. Our Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Isaiah 38, 19, the living, the living, he shall praise, praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. Yes. Speaking of truth, Isaiah 63, the first step down the road of heresy is speaking or singing something that is true, but referencing the wrong verses as evidence. Isaiah 63, one through six is where the prophet speaks simply of God himself, not of Jesus Christ hate the resting of scriptures. Back to Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy yes. is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yes. Take away. Get a vision of God. Stir yourself up to know him better. Yes. The Lord God has a mission and purpose for each one of us. Have that mindset. Here am I send me. Yes. Then go do exploits for our Heavenly Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and praise His name. Amen. Life's that simple. Amen. It's good to be back. Amen. 
today I want to talk about two topics, peace and righteousness. Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. But later on in that chapter, in verse 22, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. I love how plain and simple these verses are together. Those who obey the Lord will have peace. Those who don't and are wicked will not have peace. How can the wealthy and rich men of this world end up depressed? How can America have so much depression and yet we have it all? We have much wealth and prosperity. Yet on the flip side, how can poor peasant martyrs of the dark ages have peace in their souls as they face torture and a horrible death? Because when you walk with the Lord and live for Him and know that He is on your side and set Him as your treasure, then you will have peace and face any trial and walk in peace for the rest of your life. The wicked can never have rest because there will always be grass greener on the other side. There will always be something else that they want. There will always be more to have. Riches will quickly flee. But the Lord has for us a secure inheritance that we can enjoy now by communion and walking with Him. Israel could have had this peace forever. They could be a nation still lasting today if they would have obeyed the Lord by His covenant. But will you and I have that peace that the Lord offers us? Let's hearken to His word. Now, righteousness. This is coming from a different angle. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. I love this passage and this lesson that we learn by properly understanding God's word here. As a melancholy, it's very easy to take sound bites like this and use it in a negative light to uh, beat yourself up with. Yes. At times, including myself, um, we use this as some kind of sick uh, self-flagellation of just beating yourself over with yes. that uh, evil thoughts of saying that I'm not good enough, that I'm a poor sinner, I wouldn't forgive myself, or I can't forgive my sin. And truly, that's not humbleness. It's not leaning on grace. It's sinful and wicked to think this way because the Lord has forgiven me. Yes. And that uh, to think such things is, is totally wicked. It's too easy as a melancholy to try to find these verses and use them like a crutch rather than trusting in what the Lord's forgiveness and moving forward boldly in righteous living. Because grace is to use for our uh, opportunity to live righteously. It is not for a crutch to hide behind a facade of humbleness and not grow in righteousness. So thank you, Lord, for Isaiah 55, which has been mentioned many times today, that his thoughts are not like our thoughts. So even the thoughts against myself are... His thoughts are better. Um, Not only does this verse just correct this wicked view of uh, trying to beat ourselves up and hide behind uh, a veil of humbleness, but it also flips it on its head because many have seen this as a way to view their own self-righteousness. As many have seen this as a way to view their own self-righteousness, the truth is that we need to be very bold in righteousness. So it's a challenge to live boldly because the entire chapter is Isaiah is praying as an intercessor. Many godly men prayed in such a way and in a sense to carry the sins uh, and go before God for their nation and for their family. Uh, Moses did this for Israel. Job did this for his family. Isaiah did it here. Daniel did it in Babylon. And Christ does it for us. The common factor here is that they're all righteous men. And they all have boldness and righteousness. Um, Their prayers were heard because they were righteous. And just like it says in James 5, that effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
The righteous are as bold as a lion, uh, like it says in Proverbs 18.1, or 28.1. So this crutch of an excuse of being uh, poor and weak, uh, of letting your sins weigh you down, is now kicked aside for a challenge to live boldly and righteously for the Lord. And so thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of rightly dividing your word, to rightly understand it in the context, and may the Lord be praised. Amen. Thank you, Austin. If you thought I was excited before, I am no less excited now. I mean it. I am very excited. Uh, Isaiah has been a favorite book of mine for a very long time. Although no one else will probably remember the conversation, it had to have been 15 plus years ago where Nathan, in one of his attempts to speak to the young people and ask insightful questions to make us think, said, if you were trapped on a desert island and could only have one book of the Bible with you, which one would you want? And my response was Isaiah because I love it, but I don't know it the way that I should. So I'd have plenty of time on a desert island to do it myself. <laughs> I've had a much better explanation now. So coming into this, rather than going with one of the passages that I already knew and already loved, I said, what's a passage where I heard something new and it stuck with me? So don't flip through the book. Just think, what's something that stood out specifically from all of this that you didn't know before? Isaiah 19 and 20 are two condemnations of Egypt. Judgment's coming on Egypt. However, smack in the middle of the two of them are verses 23 through 25 of Isaiah 19. In that day, there shall be a highway out of Egypt yes. to Assyria. Yes. And the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian to Assyria. And the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying... Blessed be Egypt, my people, yes. and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. Think for a moment about the history of Israel, just, just for a moment. Who was the ancient, true enemy of Israel? Egypt. Egypt. The first, greatest enemy of Israel was Egypt. Who was the present enemy of Israel at this time? Assyria. What does God do to show what we have? What we have right now is that God said, hey, take a, take a look at your oldest enemy and take a look at your most powerful newest enemy. They're going to be your brethren. Yes. That's the picture he wanted to show his people that we get to see and enjoy is that enmity, that hatred, generation upon generation of destruction and hatred of one another is wiped clean. And that God could look at those people that he hated for his people's sake and could turn to Egypt and say, you're my people. Yes. And Assyria, that they're the work of his hands. And that's what we get to enjoy right now. In the New Testament, even getting to see when he presented the passage, looking at it, is that we see in the New Testament, literally, people in Assyria coming to know yes. the Christ, yes. the Messiah of the Jews, people from Egypt and beyond loving him and yes. being brethren with them. I am thankful for a greater light to see this part of the truth to see what God, the change he's made in this world. Generations of hatred, gone. Yes. They are brethren, equal brethren, just like we are. I'm thankful for this additional line. I'm thankful for learning more of this wonderful book. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Oh, good. I'm in the right order. I seriously lost track. 
I don't know how that happened. So um, my, the, you, many of you have really, really good memories and memorized verses, and I'm impressed because I've never been able to do that very well. But I remember words and concepts, and you may hear me finish sentences because that's the only way I could do it is if somebody started it for me. But I want to do this a little differently. I, I said to Jonathan um, when I replied that I wanted to, you know, two minutes, I wanted to hit as many as I could. So I started a list. Then the Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning, and I added to that list. I probably didn't need to do that. But many of you shortened the list for me. So I'm going to hit the highlights on these, and I'm going to just use a few words and see what they mean to you. We are not soundbite Christians, but that doesn't mean we can't use a few key words to understand and remember concepts. So children are oppressors and women rule over them. That's one of the earliest lessons from a pastor that I got in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, about how upside down our world is. And um, so we may think of it that way, and we say, oh, it's America today, that's terrible, or whatever. What are you doing about it, fathers? Are you going to be the men and stand up and not let women rule over you and children be your oppressors? Amen. Lucifer is Belshazzar, Isaiah 14, 12. Yes. I love it when we get corrected. Yes. It's the best possible thing that can happen to us when we're studying the Bible is to get something that we believed with all our heart turned upside down. Thank you, Lord. The liberal deviseth liberal things. We've known that for years, 32 verse 8. Yes. And it goes along with how, how big is your shovel from, um, from uh, Malachi that, that a brother said earlier. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And then just go ahead with the rest of the 40s of Isaiah as some of my favorites. But that is one of the, the favorites of mine. And then it goes into the end of that chapter along with Brother Newell. I know if he was here, he would say, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. That's been 20 plus years now, a favorite verse of mine. How about Cyrus in 4428? Just the word Cyrus, what does that mean to you? He's, he's the key, he is a key to this book, to, to many parts of this book. And the fact that God named him by name, and then Daniel went and talked to him. I think Daniel went and talked to him. How about create evil? I had an argument with my grandmother one time, Isaiah 40, I wasn't arguing. Um, <laughs> without reverence for her. Isaiah 45, 7, the, the Lord creates evil, not in the evil sense of the word, not, not sin, but he creates bad circumstances. Yes. We were arguing about that because she had a really hard time with the fact that my father got killed. She didn't understand, killed in an accident, that she didn't understand how that could possibly happen. Isaiah 45, verse 7, I, the Lord, do these things yes. for his reasons. How about the word leader? The, I think it's the only place in the Bible that the word leader comes. Isaiah 55, verse 4. I love the word leader. I'm a people leader. That's what they call me at, at work. And uh, the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was a leader and a commander of the people is thrilling to me. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm moving fast. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine. i got to read the whole verse. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Amen. What a blessing he has shown in our hearts from John chapter 1. The light of the light was life, and the life was the light of man. Yes. Isaiah 61. He gave us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that, they might, that he might be glorified. That's who we are, trees yes. of righteousness. And then the last one in 66, the phrase milk out. I've had a few children. I've watched a few babies uh, milk out. Do you know what that looks, some of you women know what that looks like, maybe you observant men do. When a child gets everything that they possibly want, they milk out, and then they just pass out 
with their mouth hanging open and milk drizzling down their chin, totally satisfied. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to milk out. Okay, that's enough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing my dirty work for you. Thank you, Brother Crosby, for teaching us all these many months and uh, weeks. Uh, I agree with Brother Zach, and uh, it was sealed in a way. It was, it was a closed book that I didn't really want to open and get into because the context, you really had to un understand the context in every single section of Isaiah, and thank you for teaching us. Thank the Lord for showing us the truth and revealing it to us. Um, I hope we can hold fast to it for the next 50 years of our church, next 40 years. And we can hold fast to it and go back to these sermons and appreciate them. Thank you. So, um, for, the, for the last year or so, I've been really thinking about the anger of the Lord. It has been in my thoughts all the time. You know, when I get up in the morning and make eggs and I turn on our oven and see those gas um, fire flames, you know, fire up and you're like, you get close, you're like, wow, it's pretty hot. And it just remi everything reminds me of that, you know, about the, the anger of the Lord. Um, you know, Isaiah 1.9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. You know, what's, what's the difference between, between America and Sodom and Gomorrah? It, they're, they're, they're about the same, if not worse, right? America's a horrible nation, and, but I believe the Lord's preserved us for the remnant here, which is us. And so, when, you know, you read the verses in... Uh, Isaiah 9, how the anger of the Lord is, um, is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. You know, what, what does that look like for us? Well, my favorite verses, and this has made me appreciate them more. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Yes. What shall be satisfied? His anger. Yes. Eternal fire forever. Do we deserve that? We do. We deserve it. And you know, if that doesn't get your attention, you know, what does pain mean to you? And he, is it possible for the Lord to make something infinitely painful? Can you even imagine that? But just as, 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 um, just as his hatred for the evil, so his love is for us. He loves us so much that he sent his son. Um, By his knowledge shall my servant... My righteous servant justify many, he shall, be, shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bared the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So yes. that should bring joy in our hearts. We should be the most happy, joyful people ever on earth. Um, praise be to God, and thank you. Amen. <laughs> As many have said before, it was hard to pick a favorite, so I limited myself to do it within the first 30 chapters. I found one. Chapter 26. I chose verses 7 through 9. The way of the just is, un is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the, way of the, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, we have waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the, in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Uh, I want to go ahead and throw in there verse 3, because no one else has done that one yet. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. 
My favorite question to have answered is the question, how? How? How do I have perfect peace? Oh, stay my mind on the Lord. Trust in him. Okay, well, how do I do that? Well, let's go down to verses 7 through 9. The way of the justice of brightness, uh, sorry, verse 8. In the way of thy judgments, O Lord, we have waited for thee, so I can wait for him by looking to his judgments and by thinking on them and considering them and walking in them. The desire of our soul is to thy name. Okay, that's another way I can do it. The desire of my soul, first and foremost, should be the Lord Jehovah himself and to the remembrance of thee, to, to remember the things that he has done in my life and the lives of others and in his word. With my soul, I have a desire in the night to think of and often think of him before I go to bed, desire him in the night. With my spirit within me will I seek the early first thing I wake up in the morning, make yes. the Lord my priority. Yes. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. God favors just causes. His ways are always right. If we want fa him to favor our cause, this is how we do it. He lays it out for us so simply. Life is so complex. And I love when the Lord gives us lists that boil down life to a couple of things for us to really focus our energy and effort on that matter. It, it's, it's success. This is success. It's putting the Lord first in all of these things, keeping our mind stayed on him, walking in his judgments, remembering him, making him the first priority in the morning and at the end of the day. It's simple. I love this passage. This is actually going to be a favorite verse, chapter, word, whatever, and a Thanksgiving combination. So if I go just a hair bit long, forgive me. Y'all knew I was going to go long anyway. <laughs> and also, I'm using my phone for my notes to keep me on track so I don't go as long. So if something goes wrong here, I've never done this before, then we're in trouble because I'm just going to start speaking and I'll never stop. So pray for my phone. So as Paul alluded to, and uh, Austin, I believe, did also, you know, how do you pick a favorite from Isaiah. I mean, think about it. How can us Gentiles not love the many references to the Gentiles yes. being brought into the kingdom? Yes. Without that, you know, we wouldn't even know who Isaiah was, much less being or talking about him. You know, then you have the 40s in general. I mean, so many good things, right? References to Messiah, the destruction of Babylon, restoration of the Jews, Cyrus the Great, the mocking of idols, the Lord saving his people for himself, etc. I mean, how do you beat that section? Elizabeth, on the other hand, thinks you can beat it. She's convinced that chapters 37 and 38 are the best. Judah's in trouble. I mean, Judah's in trouble. And there seems no hope. So Hezekiah, I love this myself, in desperation, sends Sennacherib's letter to God and says, Lord, you know, do you see this? Do you hear what this guy's saying? You know. That's right. It's, it's, and the Lord says, oh yeah, I see, I hear, he says, and, he, and he's in big trouble. <laughs> so then overnight, 150,000 elite soldiers are dead. And shortly thereafter, that king is killed by his own sons. Yes. You know, there's so many lessons there for us and for our enemies. Then you add to that, the same king is given a death sentence, given a reprieve, sees the sun move backwards, etc. Yes. You know, I don't know. Maybe Elizabeth is right. It's pretty good. Yes. Then you have Isaiah 53, which several have touched on this morning. I mean, how do you beat that in the, out of the whole entire Bible? However, despite all that, those great verses, chapters, and subjects, not to mention many that I left out, my, my favorite part, here we go with number six. I think this is number six. 
My favorite part of Isaiah is two words. Abundantly pardon. Yes, Jerry. Abundantly pardon. Those words are very, very special to me right now. Yes. Always. But the, Lord's, the Lord's mercy is a topic throughout the whole entire chapter, really. That's right. You know, he is constantly warning of coming, of coming judgment. And he's all but begging them not to do it. Right. He even says later, oh, that you would have listened. If you just would have listened, this would have been touched on. Yes. You, know, you wouldn't have had to go through all this. Right. You know? So, you know, and he did all that so he didn't have to perform his strange work. That's he didn't right. want to do it. He reasoned with them, told them that he would both forgive and restore them. Often he gently chastised them, attempting to bring them to repentance before he had to do much more. What more could he have done for his vineyard? That's right. Nothing. You know, what mercy and patience he showed. He showed them. He has showed us. And he has showed me of late. In regards to that, my thanksgiving is this. And I am very thankful. These two go together. That's why I didn't. That's why I'm doing it together anyway. In regards to that, my thanksgiving is, is that I am very thankful that the Lord has abundantly pardoned me, although it took some chastening. Chastening that I'm very thankful for. Yes. Revelations. Wonderful. Three nineteen. Thank you, Lord. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Right. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I'm not going to get into any details right now, but I assume most of y'all, probably all of y'all, have known that I've been a little wayward, a lot wayward, for a little while now, quite a while now. And for what it's worth, and I know words are cheap, so I'm going to keep them few, but I have repented uh, several months ago, confessed and repented of many things. But I'm going to concur with Austin Takei here. Um, but I was still holding on to so much guilt and shame that no. I couldn't really move forward no. like I should. You know, I couldn't do it. However, the Lord used Brother Jonathan's delicate pulpit manner. <laughs> <laughs> preaching, <laughs> preaching Isaiah 55 a few weeks ago to basically... As Brother Austin's already alluded to, show me that my attitude was pretty pathetic. And that I was acting like a little girl, no offense to little girls in here, <laughs> instead of a great repent of men like David and like Peter. Right. Yes. Who were greater after their fall and repentance. Right. Mm-hmm. They, did, they weren't shriveled up, weak, shriveled up and weak. Oh. And. That was basically, Brother Austin alluded to, I was basically calling the Lord a liar. As verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 55 tell us, I think it's 10 and 11. It's after, yeah, 10 and 11. You know, I was calling, because he said, he told us, he said, I will abundantly pardon. And then he goes on and tells us in verse 10 and 11 that the fact that he shed it should settle it in my heart. And I, and you know, anyway, in short, I got the message. Wonderful. And you know, again, sorry. Words are cheap. I know that. But I'm still going to say this. You know, I have to 
quote Brother Jonathan, something he told me, I have unsheathed my sword, and with all that is in me, forgotten the past and moving forward. Wonderful man. So that being said, you know, despite all the wonderful verses, chapters, and topics covered in Isaiah 55, at least for right now, is by far my favorite. And those two words, abundantly pardoned. I, you know, I liked the way everybody that got up here mentioned Isaiah 55. Every single one of y'all that read it, you emphasized when you got to that word, abundant pardon. Yes. There was an emphasis. There was a change in your voice. Every one of you. And I concur with that. And I, and I do want to say one last thing real quick. Just, y'all, you know, I'm, I'm pretty zealous. I'm pretty, out, I'm pretty out there, pretty open and boastful. I used to be. Still am somewhat. But I just want y'all to know, if I, if I seem a little more subdued than you're used to from my past, you know, please don't mistake that for a lack of zeal. Because the zeal is there. My love for the Lord Jesus Christ is renewed very much. I've just been, I've uh, been, I'm sorry. I've just been very much humbled. And in that, and in that humbling, I've been somewhat tempered in a good way. So don't mistake that for a lack of zeal. And I'm still, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be the quietest person in the church by any means. I think, think there's any threat of that, but I just wanted to say that. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Wonderful. Wow, how do you follow that? I got two words for you, Jerry. Welcome back. Amen. But I've got two words, too, for you from... Isaiah 65, verse 1, that if there is a two-word trump from Isaiah, it's behold me. Wonderful. My wife and I briefly talked about it, and we said on these, this verse, Isaiah 65, 1, that have those two words listed in it twice for kind of a favorite summary of, uh, of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 65, 1, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. Yes. That God would send his light to the Gentiles is an amazing thing. And if he said, Behold me to many more people on the planet than just his Jews, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. This verse is reflected many times in Isaiah, as you know, Isaiah 49 verse 6 says this, God speaking to Jesus in that intimate exchange that we love. And he, God said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Yes. And that verse, the light to the Gentiles, is pulled into the New Testament more than once and quoted. So we know it refers to us Gentiles. Isaiah 55, verse 5, says the same thing. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel 
for he hath glorified thee. You know, if Paul came along in the Old Testament and started preaching about Gentiles being welcomed into the kingdom of God, and he was the first and only one that ever said that, we might have reason to, eh, I'm not so sure about this ex-Pharisee. I know he wrote 13 letters, but he's the first and only guy that said that. That's not true. That's right. He's quoting from the Old Testament. Yes. That was God's plan all along. Right. Welcome Gentiles that would come in as a flood into the kingdom of God so we can rest heartily on his words when he says in Galatians 3.29, and if ye be Christ's, yes. then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Unbelievable, but we better believe it. So how do we behold him? He says, behold me. Just walk outside and look up, right? Where do you start? Behold me. His song is out there. 365 days, 24-7, yes. look yes. up. But it gets better than that. Turn to 1 Timothy 3.16 yes. and see those six phrases and make sure you understand each one of yes. them. He's saying, behold me to you. Behold me. I was, seen of the, I was preached unto the Gentiles and I was believed on in the world. And we're proof of it. Behold me. So we come to Isaiah and we spend so many months and weeks pouring through every verse and we see him saying, behold me, behold me, behold me. Out of every verse, behold me. Cyrus, behold me. You yes. Jews, behold me. Assyrians, behold me. Yes. Egypt, behold me. Edom, Moab, behold me. What can we do today? Let's behold him. Let's not only behold him, let's worship him. Let's obey him. Let's run to him. Let's kiss him. Amen. Let's behold him. All right, please turn with me in your red hymn books. Red hymn books. Red hymn books number 57, please. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. Red hymn books number 57. I invite you to stand with me if you're able. 57. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. Oh, my soul, Wow! 
participated. Thank you for learning the book of Isaiah with me. Thank you, Jerry, my brother, Michael, David, and those of you that spoke about abundant pardon. Five times in the book of Isaiah, Michael, when you see the gas stove come on, remember this. Five times. And his anger is not turned away yet, but his hand is stretched out still. But not in Christ. And next week, it is a new chapter in our church. Because he said in Isaiah 27.4, and let me give you these five words. Fury is not in me. The whole book is full of fury, but it's against his reprobate enemies. But fury is not in me. He's just warming you up. There's no fury left in him. David, fury is not in me because he abundantly pardons through Christ Jesus. Zach? I am both of those men in Isaiah 29. I was the biggest underachiever in the history of education. Unlearned. Everything was sealed to me. I was an absolute idiot fool. And I give God all the glory Amen. that anything we were able to get out of Isaiah is by a grace of a living God who is still alive. And he took someone worse than Balaam's transportation and made him your pastor. And it's been my pleasure. Every minute in my office and every minute in this pulpit to teach you, Isaiah. Father in heaven, continue to abundantly pardon us. Our, our natures are foolish and wild. Save us by your grace. Grant us your spirit and to our children and our children's children. Apprehend them by your mighty power. Unite our church and draw us together and teach us about your son. We thank you that you took that Jewish church and grafted us Gentiles in, whether Egyptian, Assyrian, or American. 
We thank thee for all that we've been able to do this day. Receive it as a gift from our lips, the sacrifice of praise through Jesus Christ our Lord, made acceptable by him. And we thank you for the book of Isaiah. Help us to remember it, to live it, and we praise thee for it. We love thee in the way that you revealed yourself to us in that book. And it's in Jesus' glorious name, whom we look forward to hearing about from the New Testament next week, if you'll give us life and breath and strength. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' glorious name, amen. amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>